Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno Shoemaker, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I'm speaking with Mary Adams, founder of Smarter Companies, a consultancy that focuses on how to use a holistic view to increase performance and value. Mary and I discuss environmental, social, and governance factors, commonly referred to as ESG, and how they impact businesses, accounting professionals, and the role ESG will play in the future. And if you're not familiar with ESG right now, Mary can shed some light on why it's time to learn. Here's what she had to say. On the simplest level, Jessica, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And that may not sound immediately like something that's part of an accountant's job or, you know, even uh, completely relevant to a hard-nosed business person because uh, the environmental and the social part are clearly external to the, to the business. Uh, but there are a number of things that are happening now that make it absolutely critical to not only the, you know, perception and the brand of a company, but also to its financial results. Why do you think ESG is growing in popularity? I'm, I'm seeing it a lot more in the news, hearing other professionals talk about it. Why is it suddenly coming to the forefront? So I think, you know, this has been around for a long time and where it started, it was really about people living their values saying, I believe that it's important that we do, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank, that we don't dump um, poisons into a river, that we uh, try to save energy, that we find a more diverse workforce, that we think about the health and well-being of our employees, uh, you know, that we contribute to our society. So those are all decisions that companies have made for a a lot of reasons, um, not always driven by profitability. And um, that's clearly where this movement started. But what's happened, uh, there's a really interesting thing that's happened now, which is that Uh, some of these issues around ESG, specifically climate change and a lot of social changes, uh, have become so marked and so prevalent that the largest investment companies in the world look at these and say, wait a second, these are now systemic risks and there's no way that we can take our portfolios and diversify away from this risk. And so, you know, these huge, the biggest investors is where it started, the Black Rocks and State Streets of the world. And they're controlling significant, you're not controlling, but they're, they're managing significant segments of, of, the work, work, of the money that's out there in the market. And so uh, when they say, well, we need to protect ourselves from these systemic risks, then it becomes a, the only way that they can do that is to enforce and try to uh, encourage change in how companies are thinking about those risks as well. And so this has led to a whole movement around measurement, which we could talk to in a, about in a second, Um, And it's moved for a lot of pressure on companies 
specifically public companies, but it's rolling very quickly through the rest of the market. Um, pressure on them to report about these issues. And of course, more than just report on them to actually make material improvements. So, you know, if you want to take a step back, it started with a values perspective, but now it's really become a value issue. It's about risk and opportunity and innovation. So it, there's, you know, in every risk, there's opportunity, right? So it's about corporate valuation and it's also about profitability. And Mary, you just mentioned it now, the, the measurement aspect. And I know that we got into this uh, when you joined the OSCPA town hall earlier this year with our CEO, Scott Wiley. How is ESG measured and, and is it regulated? How does that work? Right. So until now, it hasn't been uh, regulated. It's there. And, you know, if you talk to folks that are close to this, uh, this function and this um, reporting task, they'll talk to you about how they're just literally there have been dozens, there have been over a hundred, some people say, different frameworks that you report on. And some of them are very specific. You know, if you're in, you know, manufacturing in the third world, you know, there are certain metrics that people would ask you to, to provide. Um, but but uh, that's been developing over probably a decade. And in the last year or two, things have really accelerated. So where we are right now is that the International Accounting Standards Board, which is uh, an, until now basically created international accounting standards, has, uh, you know, it's called the IFRS, has, has now brought under its wing, it's in the process of merging in and creating a, a new entity in the same organization with the same standard setting um, approach that's called the International Sustainability Standards Board. So these two financial standards and uh, sustainability standards are gonna sit side by side, um, be subject to the same kind of market review and disciplined process and then those standards get adopted in each jurisdiction. So in the US, um, you know, the SEC would determine which, which standards get applied when. But the fact that the whole world is coalescing around a set of sustainability standards is huge news for accountants. And I think it's something that, you know, if you don't feel it yet, um, you're gonna feel it quickly because the money that is going into public companies also goes into private equity. It also rolls through uh, supply chains. Uh, there are just so many ways that it's going to come and affect almost every business um, over time. But this, this fact that, yes, um, we are seeing the development of a, a, a clear um, process and a disciplined um, set of sustainability standards. And that's already underway, but it's in the next, um, you know, it's getting cemented by the end of this year. 
and then we'll begin to roll out um, quickly in the in the coming you know next couple three years. And would you be able to share some examples of ESG in action, something that uh, people might think, oh, okay, if, if they're still maybe struggling to understand it? Right. Uh, so the truth is, I mean, most companies are doing stuff that's related to sustainability already, right? Um, we, I mentioned, uh, you know, your employees. Uh, there are a lot of things that uh, are included in, in the standards that talk about um, diversity of and turnover and um, employee well-being. Uh, those are all things that you know mo most companies or many companies already do as a matter of course as they consider these. And they, they do it because it's it, it improves engagement, it improves uh, your ability to hire people. Um, it improves the quality of decisions that get made. So um, that that's you know one example. Another example where um, it would be you know environmental stuff. I mean everybody knows that there have been financial incentives and um, you know a lot of good reasons why companies are moving to you know better lighting in their you know uh, LED lighting in in their offices that kind of thing. Um, the example I mentioned earlier about, you know, the, your perception in, in society uh, and the support of your customers comes from you acting responsibly. So if you get called out because you're, you're, the worst is dumping something polluted, but, um, you know, providing, uh, selling a product that, uh, you know, there's a report on, on uh, the fact that your manufacturing manufacturing is happening in factories with young kids in a third world country. Um, all of these things can affect your brand, they can affect your customer loyalty, your employee loyalty, and all those things find their way back to the bottom line. So that's that that's really, I mean, it's 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 there are lots of concrete um, ways that this is already affecting businesses. And, um, you know, it's not just that somebody arbitrarily is setting a, a set of standards like this is the way you should behave. I should, I should mention that the uh, international sustainability standards that are coming out um, are the successor to um, an organization that's been around and uh, was formed in the U.S. 10 years ago called the, I hate having so many acronyms, SASB, S Sustainability County Standards Board. That group created uh, standards that are um, set by industry. They have like a dozen industry groups and then within industry groups, they have different business models. So they're I, it's between 70 and 80 specific standards now for businesses saying what's, you know, if I, if I don't have manufacturing facilities, then obviously there are a lot of metrics that aren't re relevant to my business. Um, but if I have technology, um, obviously there are things like data security, which are um, important. So 
Hope that helps. You mentioned a, a lot of great examples, Mary. And as we've talked about it growing, more companies uh, integrating this into their business processes. Are there any misconceptions that you hear others share about ESG? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest one is that this is, you know, that it's somehow some political agenda that somebody's trying to impose their values uh, on business. And, uh, you know, while I, um, I hope that there are values in business, right? Because we know that that's actually a good thing. Um, but but um, even if you are the hardest um, nosed, uh, you know, it's only about um, the bottom line person, uh, you know, the, this is happening because the the largest investors in the world see these issues as value re relevant as they put it so that it's it's not about somebody making a judgment about what you should or you shouldn't do it's about saying listen we're we're making an investment in you and if we're going to invest in you you have to consider these risks and opportunities so that to me, that's the biggest misconception is that it's some, you know, fluffy feel good exercise because that's not where it is today. And as you see it growing in, in popularity among businesses, do you think that, uh, do you notice that this mis misconception is, you know, kind of being uh, pushed to the wayside that people are more embracing it or are you finding it still pretty prevalent that people are like, eh, I don't know about this. Like you mentioned, seems kind of fluffy. Right. Well, you know, I think one of the challenges that we all face is that uh, we're not equipped <laughs> to to necessarily deal with all this, you know, uh, accountants, um, you know, go through a lot of education to develop the skills that they have and they continue, right? I, I, we've been part of your continuing education um, for, for accountants. So, um, you know, you're, you're working very hard at learning a discipline, um, but that discipline is really um, at its core, a way of tracking financial transactions. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, on the other hand, you know, the, the people that came from the, the sustainability capability within companies um, have, has developed really from, you know, sometimes from initially from that values perspective, um, but is now today very focused on a specific set of metrics. Um, you know, these things that you have to report and have to think about and, um, they're not financial metrics, right? <laughs> they're uh, carbon output, and you know all the things that we've we've talked about. Um, you know, both from um, your customers, your your employees, um, your use of natural resources. So those folks aren't equipped to connect what they're talking about directly with financials, and accountants you know, didn't learn how to, how to connect those dots. So I think um, the, the challenge that we all face is how do we, you know, really put on our learning hats and how do we find ways to connect the dots? Because 
there, there's kind of a trifecta of, of issues in, in all of our decisions in business. Um, if you, you know, you, you accept that this is going to be the, the way we have to think going forward. So you're always going to have the financial component, right? And um, as you should, uh, but then it's how does the financial affect performance today? So it's performance versus um, cost and, and return. And then we're adding a third leg to that or a third piece of that analysis, which is let's call it sustainability as a catchphrase, as a catch-all, right? So we're saying, you know, take an example. If we want to improve our, our carbon footprint, there's a financial element. There's, you know, we still have to do what we have to do as, as a company. So that's a performance element. And then there's the sustainability element. So, um, you know, I like in my work, I'm doing most of my work around create structures and systems to help people on both sides of the equation, the CFO, the chief sustainability officers, operations, those kind of folks to talk in that kind of um, the three dimensions, if you will, cost or financial performance and sustainability. And I, can I just one, Jessica, just add one thing, which is that um, in many ways, this gives accountants a permission to return to, um, you know, thinking more long-term about a business because uh, there's, you know, been a lot of criticism that we've had very short-term thinking in American business in recent years. And if you only focus on the income statement and you know today's KPIs, uh, you're you're missing something. And sustainability gives you permission, but also the means to bring longer-term thinking into the conversation. And I love you mentioning earlier about connecting the dots, because I think especially for a lot of our members who might be in an advisory role or um, are thinking about moving towards that, uh, that this is really something that they can incorporate when they're working with their clients. And I know this is something that you've touched on uh, throughout our conversation so far, Mary, but are there any other ways that you think accountant CPAs really um, benefit from getting a good understanding of ESG and then um, using it to help their business? So I haven't mentioned at all the, the question of assurance. Uh, and um, I can tell you that I mentioned the, these emerging standards and, um, you know, uh, the international sustainability standards is, is going to be an international um, level, but um, because the standards really came from the U.S., it's pretty expected that they will be adopted, you know, here in, in U.S. financial markets. Um, and so once, once that ha happens, and um, for those who don't know, the SEC has a 500 page exposure uh, 
document out right now on, just on uh, the climate questions uh, that, you know, so it's coming. And as it comes, uh, and there's this great investor interest, uh, that means that it's not going to be enough to just say that, yeah, yeah, we're, th this is our carbon footprint. You're going to have to prove it and you're going to have to show that, um, you know, where the data came from and all the things that you do in an audit, right? And so that's, that's where a lot of folks believe that the, you know, the CFO and the CPA are the, are the right people to pick up that challenge and create that level of assurance uh, around this data because um, kind of who else would do it? Um, a chief sustainability officers often don't have the kind of uh, background that, that they would need for that. And so um, as in always, <laughs> whenever there's change, there's always opportunity, right? And um, you know, when I talk to, uh, you know, my, my kids, you know, and, and the younger generation um, that are, you know, starting their careers, uh, this is a really great place to go. And if I were running a, an accounting firm, uh, you know, you may not start offering it today, but you're going to have to uh, be ready in not too long you know, not too distant future uh, for the day that somebody walks in and says, oh, I need an audit of my sustainability data. So that's, that's one huge opportunity that we, you know, um, I think we need to talk about. Um, and then, you know, strategically, the, that kind of trifecta of data that I mentioned to you, um, that's, that's where there's, you know, the, uh, an accountant, uh, you know, and the different roles that your members play can really help by bringing some discipline to say, okay, this alternative, if to cha you know, change our, our whatever it is, change our carbon footprint, um, how much does it cost? What's going to be the performance change? Is that what we need in our business? And then will that get us the sustainability um, results we need? You have to think of all three perspectives um, in, in your analysis if you want to really be a relevant strategic advisor. So, um, but hopefully you see that, you know, all of your listeners see that as an opportunity and, um, you know, something uh, exciting, uh, but it, and not just a, you know, a scary challenge, but uh, the one thing that's nice about this is that uh, it's all continues to be new. And so there's nothing wrong with admitting that we're, you know, each of us is on a journey and we're learning every day. And um, it's also important to point out that, you know, the regulators um, are leaving a lot of room for, for learning and, and error here too, so. Uh, we are all on a journey on this. And what do you see as the future of ESG? Uh, I, you know, I just think that it, uh, you know, it's going to, I'm a real optimist, I guess. <laughs> so I, I've been working, I, I started my career as 
in the financial market. So I was a high-risk lender for many, many years and then have had a, a strategy consulting firm and am now working with a software company in this space. And I have um, seen the promise of this kind of thinking for helping companies thrive basically that you know we all thrive when 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 we're thinking beyond just you know making a dollar today right uh, if you can think in a, a broader context uh, you can see more opportunities so I see this becoming um, a core function just the way um, you know the financial discipline um, you know metrics discipline I see that becoming a, a core, part of what um, companies do and that that has to that ha has to help make a, a better world and more stable economies and um, you know a, a place where you know employees want to come to work and people want to do business with each other and so I you know I, I one thing I didn't mention that I'll just slip in right here um, because I think the recent past has some really important lessons for the future uh, because a lot of the public companies have already been rated on ESG for a number of years now. And something happened in the coronavirus a um, couple of years that we've experienced. The companies that rated higher on these uh, metrics did better in, during the pandemic. And is that because of their carbon footprint or they, I mean, it wasn't, nobody was measuring uh, yep, pandemic readiness, right? That wasn't a common metric. So why did that happen? And most people are saying that, you know, if, you if you're using this perspective and you take a, you know, a broader view, you're not just looking at financials, you're looking at performance and sustainability, that then, um, you have greater trust with your employees, with your suppliers, with your customers, with your community. And we saw a lot happen in, in the last couple of years where uh, a lot of businesses got abandoned or they weren't able to get supply or, you know, fill in the blank. And, um, you know, is, is ESG a panacea? No, but if, if you can, reshape your thinking and frame uh, with this kind of longer term, broader view, I think it'll be better for everybody. Uh, and so that that's like good, good for business, um, good for good for society, good for everybody involved. So that's, um, that's my um, Pollyanna <laughs> view of, of all that we're doing here. And how should someone start if clients or their colleagues are asking about ESG? It's a really good question to think about, well, how would we start if we're inside a company or if you're dealing with a client? And I think there are two, two things to think about. Um, who are your stakeholders that would be interested or might be pressuring you if not now, sometime in the future? Uh, that may be, you may have an outside investor, you may have to think about what's important to employees as you're, um, as you're, you know, out there trying to compete for the best talent, 
what are your customers going to ask you for in terms of their supply chain? Um, uh, you know, those are three good examples. So think about about who are your stakeholders and why are they you know going to be interested in this and what are, what are they going to start asking you to do? And then the second one would be, what are you already doing? So I mentioned earlier, you know, you're already doing things for your employees. You're taking care in, in how you do what you do from either an environmental or social perspective. So um, kind of think about starting to line up those two things and then, um, you know, where are the gaps and what should you be thinking about and where are you at risk as an organization? Um, I think that would come out of, the, you know, looking at those two things as a starting point, your stakeholders and what you're already doing. And then, you know, as I said, find the gaps and start there um, because there's not, you know, it's, it's early days still, um, uh, unless you're a big public company, uh, you're not going to have the enormous pressure to conform with, you know, very specific list of things. Um, so start the process, start talking about it, and you'll be much better prepared for when one of those stakeholders does come and starts drawing a line with you. Thank you to Mary for joining us to talk more about ESG. What would you like to hear on the podcast? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com. And please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.